So the last the last episode we were talking uh, a couple of episodes ago we were talking about Grab and you know how Grab is like when it comes to right, competing with Uber in Southeast Asia. And you know we we actually mentioned TT a lot at at a point of time because we know that TT China is one of the main battleground that Grab you know Grab was fighting for back in like 2015, Uber, 2016. Uber, Uber, sorry, Uber. Uber, sorry, Uber is fighting for in like 2015, 2016. Although Grab, I appreciate your Didi, patriot feeling. But. <laughs> <laughs> and Didi was the main, main competitor, right? Yeah. So, so in this sense, you know, how... I mean, I, I, I personally haven't used Didi before. I've used... I'm a big user of Grab, I'm a big user of Uber, but Didi, you know, haven't really been to China for a while. Yeah. And I heard a lot of good things about them, but... I've seen news recently that they are thinking of IPOing in the second half of 2021. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, potential IPO, right? But yeah, let's but see. That, yeah, and to be fair, for their size, it, it's been dragged on. Right? They, I, I heard, I think I recall them saying that they wanted to IPO in 2018. Um, but they're, but then they had they're some... barely profitable, if not non-profitable, I think. <laughs> but here's the funny thing, right? If you're like like what we said the last time around, if you're a profitable yes. company today <laughs> and you IPO, you're you're pretty much okay. You you have you're 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 not getting you're too any late more to growth. the party. Yeah, too late to the party, yeah. right? Investors yeah, yeah. love non profitable high growth company. <laughs> it's a it's it's no longer a battleground. It's a gamble party. Exactly, exactly. They are gambling for that 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 nine hundred X. That hundred eggs that to the moon grove, right? And I think <laughs> yeah. that's what they're looking for, Didi. But I, I don't know whether Didi is capable of that, given that it's now the current dominant player uh, in China, right? So I feel know, like this is a conversation that more than you're having with just Didi, right? It's always the question with Uber as well. It's like, can... Because it's been around for so long, yet it's still not profitable. And I feel like it's been you know, one of those textbook cases of just because something can be a bit revolutionary or completely change people's habit, it might still be a very hard business model to to scale, right? Because, I mean, Uber's been around, it's been talked about for in, in so many different circumstances, right? Uh, not only as a sort of a, a new business model, um, the transformation of platform and the apps and everything but yet it retreated from a lot of country which will be the topic of the day right like how it also retreated from China yeah, so before we jump into that I think it'd be good if we just give a bit of introduction about what DD is and then maybe talk a bit about what's uh, what's your experience with DD so just just from a top uh, an overall explanation Didi is the is a Chinese rag heating company. It's the equivalent of Uber in China, and currently is the world largest, uh, rag heating company by number of users and number of rides. Right, it basically is about f- four to five times the size of Uber by number of users. Um, but you know, behind Didi's success in China, it's pretty much a really long drawn battle between Didi and the other players in in China called Kuwaiti. And then once Didi was able to dominate the, uh, the, the market in like 2014, 2015, Uber came in. Yeah, and maybe I just wanted to, you know, say that as much as sometimes I feel like in the West, Uber is always perceived as an enabler because, you know, it drove down prices. It brought more options than just the regular taxi. 
I feel like at least in tier one cities back in the days, growing up in Shanghai, I never had issues with trying to get a taxi, and the price wasn't as you know expensive as it would be to get a black cab in London, for example. Even adjusting for you know um, the the price of um, of life in general, but I feel like. And the um, on the other hand, you know, you actually have some negative points that, and a set of challenges that are actually brought by the the ubiquity of DD everywhere.、Uh, is that, you know, for people who don't use smartphones, and you know, I'm thinking about maybe older people that might have a smartphone or might not even have a smartphone, but might not be as comfortable using an app to get a、um, to just you know call for a cab. It can be sometimes a bit more challenging, and it does come with like it's a set of maybe negative points、um, in that sense. So you think you feel like the the whole consumer behavior just changed? Because I I recall when I was younger, when I used to visit Shanghai quite a bit. You know, whenever I step off my residential area, there were whole rows of taxis just waiting. Damn! What kind of residents were you? Oh、uh, yeah, no, I actually yeah. yeah okay, your residence is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's there are there are always whole rows of taxi there, and I never thought getting a taxi was an issue. So now now that you brought it up, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, you know. So do you think like you know Didi really changed the the user behavior or or you know changed the market? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely changed the market, right? So you didn't you didn't used to have to have an app to get a cab. So by in that sense, um, you know the the whole. Sort of market has changed and the dynamics.、Um, because the the biggest difference is that Uber you're calling for private cars, but you have to imagine it for DD. It's like you're getting a black cab as well as you know private car, but all in in one app. And then now because of the convenience and because like you know drivers would just get maybe、uh, their schedules and everything set on the app. They wouldn't actually get、um, the regular types of you know ride hailing. You wouldn't just be able to. Push up your arm and you know, like, try to help for a cab in the middle of the streets like you used to. And、um, so, there, there is definitely, you know, a shift、uh, in the dynamics of the market and people's behavior. I guess this is the main point is that they it, it didn't really drive down price that much, right? Yeah. So that's the other difference as well. Um, DD was. It actually started with, I mean, just like Grab, right? It started with taxis, and、yeah. now it's doing private cars. So in a way, it's not like Uber that's you know doing private cars and it's going directly in competition against the taxis.、Uh, DD is very much like sort of this. It's just sort of selling a software of really、uh, for taxis. Yeah, I, I was I was watching the interview about how DD started, and and it sounded exactly very similar to like Uber, right? They were going around to to educate Grab? drivers. Sorry, like like Grab. Yes, exactly. My、sorry. God, <laughs> <laughs> it was going around. It, they they when they first started to to educate drivers, they were going around, you know, to speak to drivers. They were at petrol stations. They were at, um um. You know, train stations, and whenever drivers come through, they will try to grab, try to check whether the the driver has a has a smartphone, right? And then if they do, they'll in- help them install it, teach them how to use it. And one thing really interesting that、uh, when when DD started was that, uh, they said the the founder Cheng Cheng uh Cheng Wei he said, um, or not he said what they said is that 
to make to ensure that drivers will stay on the platform, they need to create this uh, ensure that there is enough passengers giving asking for rights to attract the drivers stay on. So, but mm-hmm. there were some issues during that during a startup period that they didn't have that many that that many users. So what yeah. they do is that sometimes when they release a ride to a driver, it, it gives them a very short time. So so short that you know some some drivers might miss it, and then it becomes the driver's fault that they that they miss it. It's not it's not that there it's not like there isn't enough rights, but ultimately it's because there's not enough rights around to share mm-hmm. with all the drivers yeah so so that's something very interesting that that they did and i was like wow that is very smart <laughs> that is very smart for a startup to do i mean not the fairest thing to to the drivers but it does help a startup to gain a bit of traction and keep uh drivers on the platform you know, while it's building up, while it's gathering more resources to market to more users, because this this you know when it comes to right hailing, it's a it's a two way network effect, right? You need enough users for for the number of drivers to be happy, and you need number enough drivers for the users to to stay on the platform. Yeah. You know, have you have you had you know did he started really early, and for yourself, have you had issues? Have, do you find that when when do you first started using Didi? Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's like everything else, right? It's this brutal transition for me as well, because especially since I um I went abroad to study, it's this brutal transition whereby one summer I'm just raise, raising my arm to get a cab to another summer where I come back and like raising my arm is literally useless. <laughs> it came to the point where I remember I, I came I went back and like I was raising my arm and there were like five taxis in a row that were like green so like uh, available. Just drive. And by they just you. yeah and they just looked at me as if I was crazy. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, uh, and then I was like like I called I called up my brother and I was like you know like, what what what's happening and he's like oh like yeah I think most people just don't raid like you know don't uh, hail the a hail cab anymore. Are, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and you know the the transition was brutal, like everything else, especially when you you go, you know, like once you, you go back once a year. Um, but I will say that I would be one of the users, like um, a bit later on. I don't feel like I started using DD in two thousand fifteen, let's say, because I remember I I used Uber for a while before I used DD. So, so that was probably two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen, right? Yeah. And the reason for that as well was because my first experience with ride-hailing apps was Uber. Um, because th- by that time, I was already out of the country and I was studying abroad and I had Uber. And when I went back, I was like, oh, I can use Uber in Shanghai as well. And a good thing was that I didn't need to add in my Chinese credit card or whatever. I could just use um, the one that I had. And yeah. And it was really, it was really practical. So this is my, this was like my first experience with like ride hailing. But then this transition when Uber left, and then it was only DD was a bit weird. Um, but I'll talk a, a little bit about this when we, you know, when we go into the details. Do we okay. want to cover a little bit? So, yeah, sorry. Just gonna say, do you want to, do we want to like bring it all back and then just go from like the sort of, we've talked about the con- conception of it, DD, right? Like so, it, it, very similar to 
grab where I had to go to all the, the taxi drivers and, you know, really convince them to use it. It was also a huge pain point with the smartphone penetration amongst taxi drivers, right? Uh, it is fair to point out, I feel like the biggest difference with Grab is that Didi had much more competition, right? Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. And Didi wasn't the first one, actually. They were not the first one to to be in the market. There was another one. Um, I think it was called, called Yu Che. I think it's no, called Yi Che, the first one. No, Yi no, no, Cheng no. was, Yi Cheng was bef- later. Yu Che was the first in Beijing. Um, okay, fair enough. That 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 didn't last very long because they, uh, that company I think Yucha they didn't take in invest they didn't take investments from Tencent or Baba, right? So oh, well, they yeah. they essentially they were like okay we want to be independent. So when the other the three biggest players Yucha, Didi, and uh Kuaiti, Kuaiti Chasing. Mm-hmm. Right, so this 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 three player these three players were the largest uh, at the point of time. Yeah. Um quite took money from Baba. Yeah. Uh, Didi Didi was had to take money from Tencent because Baba already financed sort of invested in their competition. And then the Yucha was the last one who didn't want to take money from Tencent. He he yeah. they were the first choice by Tencent. He, they rejected Tencent and Tencent went to Didi. That's a brand new story. So mm. Yucha eventually ran out of money. When you know went down, right, and became a two market two two player dominant market with Didi and Kuwaiti, um, and yeah. then there were other players during the whole period. There were other con- new players who came in constantly, who took small much smaller market share, um, but these were the two largest players who sort of dominate the the market for a pretty long period of time. Apparently in nineteen in twenty sorry in twenty fourteen. Um, at the peak 19... of their competition. <laughs> Sorry, the I'm just going, going, going back way too much, right? I feel like I'm telling the story <laughs> of Ford and, and General Motors. At the peak of their competition, they were they dominated more than 90% of the market share and they were mm. in, intensely engaging in price, price, uh, pricing competition. They were giving out promotions to users such that you know, sometimes users could get their rights almost free. Right, so yes. whenever Didi, Didi have an offer, I, I think you would know better, right? Whenever Didi has an offer for, let's say, 10 yuan, Kuai yeah. would go for 11. And then when Didi would match 11, Kuai would go for 12. Yeah. Um, so it, it just kept well, going sadly, this way. I wasn't, I wasn't around when, when the, this was happening. but Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that is true, though. Like, I feel you... The, uh, the main topic of, like, the sort of main theme... And this battle was cash, right? And it was like burning a lot of cash. And I feel like we've talked about this um, with Grab against Uber as well. There was a lot of cash burning. But here, I feel like it took to another level because it was not only cash burning between when Uber came in and was between Uber and DD, but before even this competition started, there was a massive cash burning competition between... Didi and quite exactly exactly and and behind you need to you need to remember this very clearly behind Didi was Tencent behind Kwaidi was Alibaba so essentially it's two it's not just a, a battle of Didi and Kwaidi it's a battle of Tencent and Baba yeah right and, and it, you know you can imagine how how important this battle is because 
is 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 two giant two tech giants in China fighting against each other, purely pumping up money, to their to to their investments in this case, which is all their their representative in the rings in this case, yeah. right? Didi and Kwaidi, and Tencent had the advantage that it had WeChat, right? Whereby you know you are able to direct traffic flow to to Didi, and yeah. then get users to start using Didi better, right? But Baba has the advantage that they, they they you know they have Ali they have AliPay that helps with that also helps with, uh, payment for for um, car for rides and it helps with users as well. So they were able to provide the same convenience that Tencent and Didi can provide. So they mm-hmm. you know it was easy for them to steal to steal the competition away. But sort of the story ended right. This 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 competition was extremely intense in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um and the story ended with Didi and Quidys finally decided you know I think they they had enough <laughs> of each other fighting because it's it's en- it's endless right it could be eternally money burning and no they will never reach a result. The problem with ride hailing and we can still see it now right because we sort of talk about all of this as if it was over but even till today in London you have new players coming in. Uh, you had Uber on the branch of um, having to exit because of licensing issue. And then you have new players coming in. You have Bolt and you have Ola. And it's it's always this problem of... The problem, with I feel like, with ride-hailing is that the only thing that you can really distinguish yourself is the price. Yes. Because there is there is very little you can do to distinguish in, in, in any other format. Right? In terms of brand loyalty or whatever... It's as ridiculous as to say, you know, I would only go with one type of car instead of the others, right? It's really a mean to an end. So, I don't know. It's, um, it's, this is one of the reasons why, like, the problem with the cash burning war is there was no end in sight. It's not like, no matter how many users you would have acquired in the process, the moment the competitor gives out a better price than you, then all of your, user base would just be flowing flock yes exactly exactly and even today after even after in 2021 uh this this better is still happening elsewhere in in mexico apparently so didi actually started branching out in mexico to to go head on against uber in their home market in more of their main home markets mexico Mm. Exactly. So, so you know, it, it feels like it's endless. So the better ground, the better the the better ground have shifted. The war never right. ended between the two. Yeah, still, still right. ongoing till today. It's still ongoing, <laughs> but you know, why why not you, you you talk a bit about you know what's what you know you use Uber when it first joined. So what what was Uber's strategy and and sort of when it first entered China, because when Uber entered China, Didi was really dominating the market, right? So what was Uber's strategy when it entered China and how did, you know, how did they rise up in China? And how did Didi eventually come to terms with it in sort of a way, defeat their competition? So I'll be very unobjective in here because as I said, I wasn't really present during this whole saga that was happening right uh, since I was studying abroad and I didn't follow it uh, or I didn't live it um, so to speak but the way I felt it was like I mean when Uber came in as I was saying you you had this sort of like the brand that was already there right it was already an established brand it was Uber but they still had to educate the local market 
there was a lot of partnership and an Uber partner um, partnered up with, you know, like in in the way they do it in the West as well, you know, and they did a lot of like sort of um, very f- flamboyant move. Um, like and by this, I mean, you know, like, yes, well, you know, like they, they did like Uber helicopter, for example, in Shanghai. I don't know if they did oh, it in, wow. in other cities, but I know they did it in Shanghai. Uh, obviously, it's not something to be an ongoing business. It was more like, look, you know, this is this is us. This is Uber. Uh, they partnered up with Taba as well, if, uh, if I remember correctly. They were just this sort of, um, you know, they had this sort of brand awareness and they just came in very strong. But as I said, because I wasn't there for the whole transition and I didn't like live, you know, the um, the acquisition. Well, I wouldn't call it acquisition, but like the sort of integration of Uber into DD. The way I felt it was like when I came back and Uber, I knew Uber wasn't in China anymore. The only, f- the way I sort of like used DD very naturally was because um, in my WeChat, there was just DD there. Mm. And so yeah. when I, you know, I came off the airport or whatever, uh, I was just like, okay, just, you know, I need a car. And, you know, I mean, usually at the airport, you would just get it. Uh, you would just go into the queue. But um where was I? I felt the first time I used it. I, I can't remember, but anyway, I just remember it was in my WeChat, and therefore I just used it, uh, and then it was it was that. The, it was pretty seamless. And in terms of strategy, I can't really say that there is something very distinct, right? I feel like it's very much similar as they would do everywhere else. It's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of like trying to get you um, to use the app, which is one of the reasons why I said earlier the problem with ride hailing is that you really don't have any sort of advantage or you really can't sort of have any sort of brand loyalty and everything reside on price sensitivity and therefore you know there was never you know even till today i won't just be using uber for the sake of using uber if there's something cheaper i'll probably just go for it no that's that's fair that's that's a very fair thing and i think we both know what, what we end up using in when we were, when we were both in london right when yeah. there's a new competition, you're like, oh wow, okay, that's that's a that's a cheaper option. We just switch to it. You know, that's 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 probably the challenge of a of a right healing business. But essentially I think, you know what what was interesting about how how you know Uber entered China in yeah. when when Didi actually dominated the market was that when when Didi when Uber entered, Didi really had close to like almost ninety percent of the market share. Mm. Uber entered in they rapidly, you know, they partner up with a, with a huge number of rental companies, right? Yeah. To actually expand the number of drivers. So instead of growing organically, like DD through acquiring new independent drivers or like, you know, day-to-day people, they actually work with rental companies who actually own a big fleet of cars. Yeah, right? but I think this is, this is also one of the differences as well, right? Because DD at first, they were only doing taxis. And I think when Uber yeah. came in, they were doing private cars. But at that point, I don't think Didi was doing private cars yet. I think that was the case. Uh, I think there was a difference between using private cars and um, using resi- you know, residential cars. The, the private cars here, here I'm talking about is literally cars, professional cars that are used like taxis that are not officially dated for taxis. Right? They are just there to serve Uber's purpose. Do you mean so the uh, take- Volkswagen Santana? <laughs> <laughs> I think to nowadays you uh, you would see a Toyota Toyota uh, Toyota Altis mom <laughs> in London, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so I think sort of 
so the the market share for for Uber actually went up from I think five to thirty five percent. They actually captured about thirty thirty percent of market share from Didi during this whole better in in the in twenty fifteen, and it yeah. was insane. They they and you know Uber came out to say you know they are willing to turn in a billion dollars to to sort of burn it in China to actually capture yeah. this market. And a billion yeah. US dollars at the time was still it was still incredibly big for DD when right? it was pretty much valued at what three three four billion, uh, or maybe thirty mm. billion. You know, not nowhere close to where it currently is right now. Yeah, but sort of what really changed the competition? So what? So you no, know, as usual, right? Every every right hitting company, the comp- comp- competition is always about price. So so DD actually reached out to Tencent. Um, yeah. Who, who is a main investor. And you know everyone in China knows Tencent because Tencent owns WeChat, which is the main messaging app that every single person in China uses. So Tencent as the investor, you know, they yeah. backed Didi and they actually took pretty extreme measures. So apparently, you know, they, according to certain sources, they, they actually came out to block Uber's account in WeChat and block Uber's customer service account as well. So you know that yeah. that is essentially removing the communication channel yeah. that Uber has yeah. with with its customers, and the only way for its customers to actually contact, you know, customer support is through the Uber app. You know how, and you can imagine how impactful that this such a move is. You know, it would actually, you know, whenever a user has an issue, the only way to 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 chat with Uber is through its app. And then Didi did something very interesting on, on top of that, right? Apart from that, they realized that if they were only to they if they were only to fight the battleground in China, they would lose because Uber can essentially fund its battle with with Didi using uh its more profitable business in the US and other areas in in, in Latin America or so on, right? Yeah. So uh, what so before Didi we talk with yeah, yeah sorry before we talk about this, I wanted to come back a little bit because there there's a lot. Right, but one of the bigger biggest thing you know, aside from the support that Didi had from Tencent, there was a huge, and, and I thought this was just really funny as well, is that there was a huge cash burning uh, saga going on, and and then part of it was that you know they were giving out subsidies, so Uber was giving out subsidies, Didi was giving out subsidies, and they were giving out subsidies to both drivers, right, to incite them to be on their platform, but also to users. One thing that happened uh, was that people would then take advantage of this, which actually was uh, costing Uber a lot of money. So the thing was, Uber was doing the subsidy for both drivers and users. And so a lot of people said, well, you know what? I can just, if I'm a driver, I can just become a user. And then I just uh, held a ride and then I accept my own ride and then I'll just get money from both ends. Which, I mean, why wouldn't you do that, right? But... (laughs) So it, it was a huge thing like um, there was such a throwing money out of the window for the sake of throwing money out of the window that they actually made a huge loss on this. Uh, it was the same thing for Didi, by the way, but they sort of um, realized it quicker. And I think they, they acted as well faster in terms of uh, cutting their losses. But just to give you a small like because we're talking about cash burning, but I feel like people don't realize it uh, as much, but of, of, of the quantity, right, in terms of billions or whatever. But one of the statistics that I found was pretty interesting that it was estimated that Uber was giving out around $1,000 per driver uh, a week during the peak of the cash burning wall. 
Wow. <laughs> Wait, a thousand, a thousand US dollars or a thousand RMB? A thousand RMB. US dollar, eight thousand RMB. A thousand US dollars a week. In terms of subsidies. That is like high, that is the, that's higher than their income. I know, I know. I, I, don't quote me on this number. Don't quote me on this number because it, it wow. is a sort of a back of the envelope calculation. But it, yes, in term, because they were giving out quite a lot of money per ride. And then, you know, like if you calculate in terms of ride and everything, yeah, it was, um, it was something around, around those lines. Okay, fair enough. Wow. Wow, that's just a lot of money. Uh, I, did, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it, 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 really, it really, you know, shows how intense the price competition was between Uber and, ten, and, and Didi and and you know it becomes to the point whereby Didi probably realized that there was no way they would let this go on it would just burn it up completely right Tencent yeah. will Tencent will probably one day realize that it is better that they cannot continue fighting because there's no point right so so what Didi did was that it actually brought you know it's better to other battlegrounds right it invested in Lyft which is the which is Uber's biggest competition in US. So that Lyft will, will sort of strengthen up, have the have the additional cash to actually compete in Uber's own battleground, home ground, which helps to erode their profitability. And they yeah. did the same in, in Southeast Asia through Grab in, and then in India through Ola. So in this way, you know, instead of just fighting with Didi on one front, Uber found itself to actually be fighting better grounds on multiple fronts. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what um, sort of what saved, quote-unquote, DD um, in China as well, was that was sort of the last draw where, and I think it also coincided with Uber running out of cash and the investors back home saying, you know, is it worth it to go against DD uh, and dropping so much money into the Chinese market, although, you know, it is a very big market, but Uber wasn't doing so well, it hasn't been profitable, and it was just burning through so much cash and in so many different uh, territories, as you mentioned, that, you know, I think this was sort of the last draw and then sort of forced them to exit China. Um, But that still brings back to the question as well, you know, like the reason why this was possible in the first place was that despite all of this investment and despite you know being around for so long and being praised and everything they were still not profitable and there was no end in sight in this war and then on you know that it was in china but that was in singapore in india uh yeah no definitely i think this comes back to a point about right hitting companies right like how sticky are customers right in, in this case you know customers are not sticky at all right in the right healing business and it's essentially a fact that because customers are not sticky, whenever you scale or whenever price, uh, they are extremely price sensitive, right? And, and it makes it difficult for you to actually become profitable. And at the same time, barriers of entry is extremely low, right? You know, well, I wouldn't say extremely low because if you think about it, it's still, you know, you still have to, well, especially like, because I'm, I'm thinking about in China, right? Because you still have to be partnership with like the, the taxi companies and everything. I wouldn't say it's extremely low, but it's true that maybe the there was an overestimation of the, the innovation side of it, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or, or just, just the fact that the innovation, quote-unquote innovation here, was too easily replicable. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, definitely. And I think, you know, back in the days whereby... 
know, maybe five or six years ago, when when Uber or Didi first started, when they're still at you know still in a growing fast growing uh, pace, having this uh, algorithm or AI technology whereby it's able to pair up riders very easily, it's amazing. But in today's world, in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, I think it's something that you know most most companies are able to most companies are able to replicate. Isn't it? Yeah, there's only so much AI you can put on the PowerPoint to attract investors before they get tired of it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But so, but yeah, it's true. I mean, at the beginning, I think there was the the advantage of Uber, right? The, um, the sort of calculation and the the pairing system, and it was all over their their investor relation, you know, like presentation and everything. Yeah. But and it's, yeah, just, and it's said, not. Like, it's not like they're not. You know, the technology there. There's a limit. It's not. It's not innovating right uber five years now and five years ago how much has it changed honestly well because it's like how much can you change as well right it's, yeah I mean, you, you can't this is what i feel like the, the only the major change uh, that would be in ride hailing would be uh, self-driving cars and because anything before this is just it's I hard to imagine should... because yeah there, there are too many there there's only so much you can do i feel yeah, I, I think we have reached the point whereby we are waiting for next change, which is self, full self-driving or self-driving cars, which will actually change the whole landscape of the right-hailing business. And that might be the tipping point that will make my right-hailing business profitable. And in this case, right now, it doesn't seem like Uber or... I, I think Uber and Didi both have invested in this area, but it doesn't seem like they are leading... You know, they are the leading players who, who's going to come out with the next uh, full self-driving fleet, right? Well, before, uh, well, before well, we go well, there, well, before well. we go there, right? Um, no, no, sorry. Let me just justify yeah. this because Uber left the uh, the self-driving area, right? They sell out their, their self-driving units. Uh, is it? Oh, okay. I yeah, actually yeah, didn't yeah. know that. Wow. And, uh, and I don't know if DD has anything. So I guess, yeah. So it doesn't sound like they are they are going to be a real player in, in full self driving, which, well, which, yeah, which in most not... in, in our eyes it seems to be the future of of right healing business. But before we go to go further down this road, right? Do you, you know we know that Uber sort of exited China, left the China Chinese market in twenty sixteen, right? Yeah. They, they merged into DD and, and what 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 was the outcome, right? What what happened there? Well, what do you mean? I mean, they just left. And I mean, there was a period of transition where when you would go on the Uber app, it will redirect you to the DD sort of page. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how it was done exactly. But did, but they, yeah. did, they, did they get anything out of the... Out of the did they merge with DD? I, I recall you know, reading about that. And did they get... They, they got 17%, a stick of it, 70, yeah. 17% from, from DD. Okay. Yeah. And what, what, what was the agreement? Did Was it pretty much like they... Would they have agreement that, like Grab, whereby if Grab doesn't IPO by a certain year, they have to pay a certain mm. amount to Uber? Do they have similar agreements like that? Do you know? not, not as far as I know, because I feel like Didi was in much, you know, is was in a very different position compared to Grab. When you know this this thing happened, but yeah, no, I don't I don't feel like there was any sort of um, sort of, how how you call caveat to to this sort of um mm-hmm. merger and because it wasn't i don't know how much um because it's a mutual um holding agreement. as well because dd yeah dd also has a holding in uber 
but oh, I don't okay. know how much. I think yes. about five or six percent. Yeah, yeah, it's also a minority stake. Yeah. yeah, it's a minority stake. And it's quite uh, wow. It's quite interesting that you know, given that they both own a stake in each other and they're still competing in in multiple rights, as as we first said and start the podcast, right? They are they are right. I yeah. think I just saw a news that Didi is going 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 to going to Mexico and and you know having starting an intense competition with Uber. I didn't know that, but yeah. Apparently they are. Right. They are bringing But this I, is it, it comes this to is my point. only issue is I don't I don't see I'm just struggling to see the profitability of it and the scalability of that profitability, right? That that's it um, comes exactly it's, right. It's it's come to a point where that, you know, they either become profitable based on their current size and if they can't they better show sufficient revenue growth. And how do they grow? By expanding geographically by competing in a new market. And I, th- yeah. I feel like that's the only way that, that they can continue raising additional investments from you know, VCs or, or I think to their current scale is no longer VCs, right? It's pretty much to from sovereign wealth funds or, or private equities and, and so on, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, I feel like this right-hitting story has, has really been going on for, for a number of years. And yeah. I, I feel I don't know where it's going to, to end, when it's going to end. But in, in the near term, I think one thing we'll probably look more forward to, look forward to is actually DD's IPO. Uh, 